This week, we're joined by Harriet Sayward Belisario, and we asked the question on everybody's lips, why is sustainable fashion so expensive? Harriet is a women's wear designer and creative director of the new contemporary London women's wear label, Sayward. She is a London College of Fashion alumna who has worked with the likes of Christopher Kane, Jonathan Saunders, Richard Nicholl, and Paul Smith. Let's get into today's episode. Harriet, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. No. Really excited. We're really excited. This is a conversation that has been in the making for a very long time. Started <laughs> off, um, Harriet and I know each other personally. It started off with conversations at an office. Then it was a DM about my rant on one of our <laughs> previous episodes about how sustainability can't isn't affordable and how it should be. And here we are today talking about sustainability, affordability, and everything in between. So first of all, tell us about Sayward, your new brand, and why you started it. So um, I'm launching a women's wear label called Sayward, and um, it's probably been in the making for about three to four years, but very, very organically and very slowly. Um, and I just always wanted to have my own label. Um, it was it's sort of built on things that are really important to me. So um, kind of positive production and sourcing and then also sort of my design aesthetic and what I really like and just fun and colourful clothing. Um, I mean, I, I love every part of the garment process the design the development um the physical making and it, even the business side I find it all really interesting um so it's a really good way for me to have kind of grown something that I can do all of those things for um and it's really for everyday people so um I guess a lot of what I wanted to create was just clothes that you can wear every day that are versatile that are easy you can just throw on and have a bit of fun in your wardrobe but that are also kind of the wardrobe essentials and the timeless pieces that you just want in your life always um and yeah just it was kind of born out of my love for colour and unique design. How far are you from the launch? So um, it will be launching beginning of October. So pretty close now. Um, it's in the sort of slightly odd period where you're just waiting for everything to come back so you can actually start. <laughs> so when this episode airs, it would have already it would have already launched, which is really exciting. Oh, that's exciting. Wow. Yes. Like, <laughs> As you know, you are my go-to for anything sustainability in fashion. So whenever I have a question, I always go to you first. Um, but could you talk to us about what sustainability actually means in the context of fashion? So, I mean, it's become a bit of a buzzword. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously with a lot more sort of... Um, awareness and visibility on kind of climate change and you know, we're so much more global and everything's more visible than it was 30 odd years ago um really it's become the umbrella term for everything that the fashion industry needs to improve on um i mean it's kind of what 
should be in place already and that we've been doing for a really long time but now we need to up our game and um really start producing in a much better way um across sort of so many things so it's quite multiple level really like um in terms of the volume of consumption and the amount that we're producing and the social and human side of it and the materials and fibers that we're using and the way that we actually produce in you know like with there's lots of renewable energy companies out there now um for us to use in our home we need to be producing in the same context in the factories and then also how we care for our clothes because actually if we make our clothes last a lot longer then they'll be around for a lot longer exactly so it's not just to do with brands coming out and being like we're sustainable because of the material it's to do with the whole process and then yeah so I mean obviously there's lots of different materials that are much more sustainable than others so you know cotton's a natural material uh, natural fiber but actually it also has its own problems I mean everything anything that we're making essentially has some form of difficulty with it um like cotton uses a lot of water and um has traditionally been farmed in ways where they use a lot of pesticide but there's lots of sort of training and building upon um growing cotton in a better way and there's now recycled cotton which is also starting to look a lot less rustic than it used to um which helps in the modern world um there you know polyester actually there are there is a good side to polyester in that it lasts for a really long time but actually that can is and in the most part can be a massive problem and lots of fiber shedding so we've got all the microplastics and things like that um but there's you know things like tencel linen um hemp that are all really good fibers uh that sort of start their journey um, much more sustainably anyway. I think linen and hemp is like one of the most sustainable um, materials that you can actually buy. Um, But then you've also got the sort of volume side of things and where we're producing so much, we're also getting a lot of waste. So... I think it's something like 60% of um, what consumers buy compared to the year 2000 now is goes to waste. And of that, like 57% makes it to landfill, 25% is incinerated, which is just like landfill and incineration. It's just not the way to go. <laughs> Hey, these numbers are insane. Yeah, I, I mean, you yeah, obviously, it's, the audience can't see my face right now, yeah, but I'm, I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> gasped. <laughs> it is horrifying. Yeah. But he, I mean, even in terms of like what's actually recycled of that, it's roughly like a fifth of garments get recycled. But even inside of that, only 40% is reused as secondhand clothing. 
50% of it might be recycled, but then the rest still goes to waste because so much of what we donate often isn't in a usable state or people have are buying so much that they don't necessarily need to be consuming as much from that side of things as well. It's, so. <laughs> it's astonishing, really. I've been doing some research on fabrics and things because I've started doing a series of videos on my Instagram called Steps to Sustainability, which I can't even say. Um, and one of the, <laughs> I love those videos. But one of them, um, one of the videos that I'm planning on doing is about fabrics and which fabric is the most sustainable and which isn't and what you should opt for. And it's there's just so many different components that go into it. So we can say that something is really sustainable. People are saying that recycled cotton is more sustainable, but then there's still another element of it and it's all the waste that's already happened. So when you're talking about these statistics, yeah, I'm just sitting here taking it all in, but completely still shocked by just the sheer number of stuff that goes, that gets incinerated. I I didn't know that. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's It's really, really depressing because the problem that we have we we actually just spoke about this in another recording that we did today but we have a real lack of education on how things are recycled and like put away properly so that's one issue to do with the recycling last year I went on a tour with the RSPCA around their charity shops and they showed me how things work when things get donated and then they have like one section for donations and the next section for um textile recycling which is amazing but I know that not all charity shops do that and not all secondhand shops do that. And you just assume that if you send something somewhere, it just gets dealt with like appropriately. But actually that's not the case. And hearing those statistics, it's showing that it really isn't the case because that what was that? Sixty percent of clothes yeah. go like goes to go to waste. Yeah, goes to waste. It, it's really shocking. It's really shocking to think and consumers generally are buying a lot more now as we spoke about in another episode where fast fashion is so enticing and people are shopping a hell of a lot more obviously maybe not this year this year is just like a big blip but um, (laughs) just generally speaking consumers are purchasing so much more and then so much more is ending up on landfill in the waste and not being dealt with properly and it's just where do these where does everything just end up I just wonder if like it's just it's just what's going to happen is the big question for me if we continue at this rate and also like how long all of these things actually even stay in landfill like how long does it even take for them to biodegrade Mm. I mean for a lot of it it's it's 200 years or something it takes so and it was only made less than 100 years ago so that means that the first piece of polyester ever made is still in existence somewhere yeah <laughs> that's really shocking to be fair that well done the person that made it because yeah. that is a real like yeah. innovation it's it like it's the test of time but at the same time it's <laughs> yeah it's using all of these things for the right thing isn't it like you can't just use it for whatever reason you know I mean polyester to make something pleated you have to use polyester but there's so much polyester that exists 
why can't it be recycled polyester? I mean, let's be honest, again, it comes with its own problems, got to be reprocessed, but at least it's not making new polyester. Adding yeah. to the problem. I guess we've got to balance, like, yeah, we've got to kind of weigh up what is the worst. It's The thing I found with sustainability is it's the best, you have to find the best out of the bunch. Yeah. So everything has its issues. It's a, it's a very much a, a circ, it is a circular movement. Everything has an issue and everything leads to something else. And we have to figure out what causes the, le- the least amount of damage because of the society we live in and our consumer um, mentality. We'll never be able to stop because that's just not a thing. It's just not going to happen. But how can we figure out ways to help slow things down by weighing up what's best for our lifestyles. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, building our wardrobes around that. Do we, we, I mean, I think especially this year, we've kind of all been shown that maybe we didn't need all of these additional things that we might've had in our lives. And that it definitely seems to have changed a lot of minds, I think and refocus 100% 100% I think something that a lot of people are coming to the realization of is that you don't need nearly as much to survive I mean we I mean I think everybody was over shopping at the start of this and because they didn't know what was going to happen and there was lots of scaremongering going on or but I think as time's gone on, people have come to the realisation that you can pretty much cope with the bare minimal. And I'm seeing a lot more people getting into sustainability, more ethical choices. And even like secondhand September, it's really, really well received online this year. And I'm really impressed with how people that are normally big advocates for fast fashion are so much more aware this year and really flying the flag. And I'm hoping that it isn't performative, but do you think that there is an element where people's mindsets have shifted? So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely been eye-opening this year. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. This is like the biggest thing that we've discussed when it comes to fashion, isn't it? Talking about how outrageously expensive it is to buy sustainable clothing, but is it actually possible to create an affordable, sustainable fashion brand? Are you able to give us a little bit of insight into that? So it is possible. It's, I think the, th- the thing is kind of, um, I guess, like making things affordable isn't always going to equate to cheap. And we sort of had this race to the bottom with the high street and that in a way has skewed perceptions of what pricing should be. I mean, I don't know if you remember that that it was like a couple of years ago when it came out that actually no one was paying the correct price for milk. So what we were getting milk for, the farmers literally were basically giving it away. (laughs) And in some ways it's, it's sort of a bit of a similar thing. I mean, Obviously, volume helps to bring prices down in the way that the manufacturing is done. Um, For example, the cutting time to cut all of the garments um, is reduced the more that you're cutting. But at the same time, 
where volume is being produced um it's being produced in countries where we're we might be meeting the set minimum wage for that country but actually when you start to look at the minimum wage it's nowhere near what people can actually live off of so actually it's it's not really much to celebrate <laughs> it, you know like um i think in bangladesh the monthly minimum wage is set at 95 us dollars which i mean you're talking like that's like what maybe a family's grocery shop for a week in the uk and for them to actually live and survive um and have a basic but living decent living standard where they can eat they can put a roof over their heads it's double that it's like a hundred and um 95 or something um so and that's just one person so then if you've got a family um it's roughly set at about 248 us dollars i think and that's actually statistics based on 2016 so it's going to be more now but yet in 2020 the minimum wage is 95 us dollars so if we were going to pay people that make our clothes properly then what we're buying in these high street stores they aren't going to cost 20 pound a dress that price is going to go up and then not even that where the fabrics are being sourced from and the price that that's being paid yeah they're um they're not going to be hand woven but they people still have to run the machines and run the factories so actually again those prices probably aren't going to be maintained either so you're starting to then look at the reality of the price maybe being more like 60 pounds i'm you know that's sort of like a guesstimate but actually what that's going to go up to when we start to pay those prices um and not only that all of these people that have to be paid within the supply chain and within the process of making a garment you know, you've got the designers the buyers the merchandisers the manufacturers the garment makers the sewers the organizers the managers the shippers the dyers the printers the weavers like so many people inside so if you're taking a dress of 20 pounds and dividing that down plus obviously the retailers have to make a profit they've got to pay their store staff their energy their web hosting all of these things it in a way actually is that cheap product affordable in the first place because effectively it wouldn't really exist without somebody getting stitched up You explain it in a really nice way because I think the more that you break it down and you actually name these people and or name these roles and then humanize them, it makes you think, well, would you work for a lower salary or for a low wage yourself? And it kind of brings it to the forefront. It makes it makes it very, very like real almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really great way I to mean- explain it. Yeah, like in the UK, we want our living our living wage to be ten pound an hour. Well, 
that's like 10 pounds an hour if you're doing a full day's work you're almost going to make what these people are making in a month (laughs) we really do take away the human aspect of it and that's what's quite worrying about us as a society that we're just removing the idea that humans made our clothes humans make our you know farming our food we're not in 2080 we don't have robots yeah (laughs) but you know what even if we did I don't know if we could actually manufacture garments with robots maybe knitting but that's slightly different so (laughs) it's not going to be like a car plant that's that's going to be a whole other issue in itself can you imagine (laughs) But. but like of course then you've got once those prices start to go up you then have obviously the where you know not everyone that's buying from the high street is um, able to afford more more expensive product. So then, actually, as a society, it's how do we look at how we can balance that? I mean, effectively, yes, putting wages up, but is there is there ways that we can start to kind of accommodate for that and still create nice fashionable clothing um but again like everything's so trend focused in the fashion industry and actually maybe that's not the right thing anyway I mean especially now trends have almost merged into every season it almost becomes like the same trend you do all the trend reports and every summer it's like ditzy floral and a large floral and this floral and all of these kind of different things but actually everything comes back around so if you keep everything in your wardrobe that you really love you'll always find a way to rewear it this is really true I'm saying this I've just moved house and I had a clear out before we moved and I still have things in bags that I don't feel like I'm going to be wearing anytime soon. So I'm I'm kind of in in a quandary thinking, do I sell them or give them away or give them to charity or do I keep them because they'll eventually come back around? And I'm leaning more towards, I think some things definitely need to go. They were questionable <laughs> purchases anyway. But um, the other things I'm thinking to myself is the idea that I used to, and I still do it now where I shop, my mum's wardrobe or my sister's wardrobe and these are pieces that they've had for like 10 20 30 years in some cases and I still love them so I think to myself if I put these things away and keep them and I can rewear them at a later time it's that idea that loved clothes last so I'm constantly trying to think about that and thinking I don't need to especially when it comes to trend pieces you don't need to be constantly shopping them every time the trend comes out and there's one slight variation to the trend but yeah just keep it it's going to be eventually in 10 years time when it comes back around it'll be vintage yeah exactly and then and then you've already done your vintage shop and you don't even need to do that (laughs) doubly vintage (laughs) plus all the hand-me-downs are one of the best ways to get clothes I mean there's always those things that someone passes to you and they say oh I've I've kind of grown out of this but would you like it and you're like yes I've had my eye on that for ages 
<laughs> I can categorically say that everything I've ever sold, I regret yeah. it. <laughs> or given to charity. There's so many things that I just give so much away sometimes because I'm like, okay, let's just start again. And then I, I've actually seen, because I live in a very charity shop heavy area, and I've actually seen my stuff in, sh- in certain shops before and I've been like, should I buy it back? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm really too, like, frivolous with my giving. Um, and I've been in so many situations where I've been like, oh, I really wish I had. There was this time, I used to have this, like, pleated, um, it wasn't felt, but, like, wool, thick wool skirt from H&M. And I was like, oh, it looks like a school skirt. I'll get rid of it. And then, like, a couple of years later, everybody was wearing these pleated women's shirts. And I was like, oh, Christ's sake, I shouldn't have given that away because it means I don't have to buy one now. And I just bought another one. And in my head, I was like, stop giving stuff away. I and this happened. I kept it. <laughs> Every time. There, there is a great um, route around that, though. Vacuum pack bags. I know. Oh, yeah. Get is. some, but the last lot that I had, I don't know what was wrong with them. They always seemed to come slightly undone, so they would be growing and growing. Oh no! What happened to that bag? But <laughs> but um, I wanted to move on and talk about something that's actually really. It's another thing that I'm looking into and I'm trying to understand more about because we've spoken. We spoke earlier with another interviewee on our podcast about how there needs to be standardization and for me a big thing about that is like getting certified and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that and what that actually means like what certifications mean are they necessary and what should consumers be looking out for when making their purchases yeah so there's um there's quite a lot of certifications around the kind of sustainable marker um I mean, essentially, they're there to sort of make sure that you're getting what you're paying for and to give a level of regulation so that we can't all just blaze in and say, yeah, this is recycled and this is that. Um, So there's lots of different aspects to it. So there's a fight with the fibres and the materials, there's uh, the global recycling standard, um, the GOTS organic um, cotton textile standard, BCI, the Better Cotton Initiative, um, Fair Trade, Responsible Wool standard, uh, which all of these things, if when you're sourcing um, and sourcing responsibly, they're the things that you want to be looking out for. And some of those things actually make it to consumer level as well. So they you might start to see those on hang tags especially going forwards in the future um they're definitely not as visible as in the food industry it's, it seems to have been much easier and faster for the food industry but i i guess if there's so many different components to garments whereas food if you're buying like one thing or like one bit of meat for example that is pretty much all all there is I mean I'm sure there's other aspects to it but like in general it's roughly just that (laughs) um and 
uh, you know, then there's like f- the fair trade, um, making sure the the supply chains are transparent and um, everyone's being paid minimum prices, and that they've got enough uh, time in the production to make sure that every it is things are being produced sustainably. So again, like with cotton, making sure that there is enough time to grow the cotton effectively and not sort of quickly grow it to get it to market because actually either that just costs more pesticides more water um and then you've even got things like cradle to cradle which um is sort of about efforts in um eco intelligent designing um so more eco-friendly materials uh looking at recycling and renewable energy and the water efficiency and social responsibility so a lot of these things also cross paths as well but um some of them are more complex to obtain than others and they can cost a lot of money Mm -hmm. especially for small brands you know if you if you're making small quantities and you have to pay quite a heavy chunk to be certified in one of these areas. I mean, not all areas are specifically relevant to a brand necessarily, but it can cost you a lot of money. And then divide it up over what you're going to make from your garments, then makes it, again, a little bit harder and pushes the prices up, which is what you want to avoid doing. But I guess a lot of them are in place for the bigger companies who can't afford them <laughs> that's the thing I have heard they are costly and you do have to get quite a few certifications so it works up but if a brand deems themselves sustainable but don't have the certifications does that mean that they're just not sustainable like how does it work um yeah I mean somewhere along the line there should definitely be some form of something that they can go back to so it might if it depends where you're talking like if you're talking a bigger brand absolutely some of these certifications should be visible to the consumer um for smaller brands um you a a lot of it might form on the fabric side which then is a little bit different because you don't necessarily you as a as a company I guess you can't necessarily become certified as a global recycling standard I guess like it depending on what your business model is you possibly could but if you you could be buying a recycled material and in that case you'd want to be aiming to source that material as being GRS certified and if if it is, then you should be able to at least highlight that. You know, you might not want to have, you might not be having the logo, but you should be able to highlight that fact as a as a fiber. Sorry, the Better Cotton Initiative, always <laughs> twist my words on that, is um, sort of like a almost like a membership where companies can basically fund this. Um, uh, the initiative to train farmers for better farming practices which is really good um, but it it doesn't necessarily mean that you're 
buying specifically from those farms but then that is also partly the way that the industry works in terms of cotton one farm can't necessarily produce enough cotton to make an entire roll of fabric so everything is made up of different different cottons from different farms so it's sort of it's putting in place the right thing to do I guess for that and then the traceability element of that can be quite difficult unless you're working more directly with those farms which actually on a on a grand scale can be tricky because some of them will be lots of small farms and collectives oh geez so what I'm guessing is (laughs) just a recap so (laughs) it is possible to make quote-unquote affordable depending on what your concept of affordability is affordable um sustainable clothing you can have a sustainable brand without it being certified sustainable technically but there it obviously you need it to be able to shout about being sustainable you need to have these certifications which are costly um and what was the third thing I was going to say and then there are ways that the industry are working to help train and create a more, I don't know what the word I want to use, an like ethical way of sorting materials. And um, you can't actually confirm whether or not we can, you are sourcing from those people who you're training when you pay your subscription. So it's all, I had this rant before, which is where it came from, but the whole industry is just so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it is a minefield I just mind- don't understand I work so I work in advertising and that industry alone blows my mind I work in the influencer space of advertising which has zero regulations I speak on a daily basis with our like board of like regulatory boards and people who are in charge and I'm like why do we not have this this and this and this and they're like I don't know and now I'm talking about sustainability and it's the same thing. It's just like we haven't caught up yet with what needs to be done, yeah. um, which is really strange because Gen Z, we're obviously not Gen Z, but Gen Z as a generation are super quick with everything that they do. So yeah. that's some like wild 22 year old would have like taken over the industry already and like set a president. Yeah, put everything in place. I mean, the, the thing is, once you get started in, let's say, the wrong direction, mm. it's a lot trickier to come back in the right direction. And it takes a lot more time. Whereas, actually, if you're a new brand starting, it is it, it probably is much easier. Albeit, if you're small, it is difficult uh, because you have so many other limitations that we haven't even touched on, like order quantities and things like that especially in the sustainability realm like to buy um you know really eco-friendly fabrics often you're talking 2000 meters which I for what I'm producing I use the max I used of any one fabric was 100 meters and I was pretty pleased that I got to that (laughs) but so it's it's this re- it's a really long circle to come back round and resolve 
all of these things. And in a way, the certifications are there, uh, are sort of being put in place to ensure that this is happening. But actually, if we did it right in the first place, all those many years ago, then actually we wouldn't necessarily be in the situation where we have to resolve all of these things. Hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> On that note then, we are, we're asking our guests this question and I think it's it's quite a, an open question, even though it's, I think it's quite difficult. But if you could ask the world, like everyone in the world, to make <laughs> one change, what would that be in a bid to be more sustainable? What would that be? Um, I mean, I th- I think one of the easiest. Well, I say easy. I probably one of the simplest things <laughs> that you can do is before you buy anything, think about why you're buying it. Are you buying it because you love it and in five ten years time are you still going to love it or are you buying it because it's a trend or a quick win or you just feel like you need something new we're we're all human we do occasionally feel like we need something new um and before you buy it have a think about it and then consider that maybe if you didn't buy it what could you buy instead or what could you buy if you if the next three things that you realized you didn't really need to buy actually what could you invest your money in maybe something that you're gonna treasure a lot more because ultimately if you can treasure something and give it value yourself by loving it then it's gonna be a game changer in your wardrobe <laughs> yeah totally agree with that oh I love it so yeah <laughs> considered purchasing so thank you so so much for joining us today this was such an interesting conversation and one that I feel like we haven't finished so we'll definitely <laughs> continue later on down down the line because there's so many questions so if we wanted to find you on the internet where should we be looking um so I'm on Instagram at uh, sayward.studio um I've got a Facebook page now uh, which is the same uh handle yeah and um the website is coming soon so that's saywardstudio.co.uk that may be up by the time we have posted this stuff yes so maybe not coming soon (laughs) (laughs) perfect thank you so much and we'll speak to you very soon thank you for having me this was wonderful